belly and the fish. Belly, belly and the fish. Welcome, friends, to Belly and the Fish. I'm your host, Corbin, a.k.a. The Fish, and we got big old Ben, Belly Smokes, Hunter. How we doing? Not too bad. Doing fucking great. Best I've been in five, six weeks, actually. That's sad that this is what makes your peak. (laughs) Nope. After that victory, went to the Target with my girlfriend, and I was strutting around, swinging my dick and my Aiden Hutchinson jersey around. Everyone was looking at me, thought I looked so cool. Not one cop call? (laughs) No. None. (laughs) Lots of cat calls, though. (laughs) And I was feeling myself yesterday. And to help celebrate this victory, I've got my good friend Tyler Coney coming to us from Saskatchewan, Canada. What's up, Tyler? Not much. It's cold. Yeah, what's going on up there in the great white north? It's white. (laughs) It is white today. You're just getting dumped on up there, eh? Uh, Yeah, about five or six inches tonight. Isn't that like a normal day in Canada, though? Not really. (laughs) a little outside the norm i met tyler last year i joined a fantasy football league known as roster wars one of the greatest leagues you can find tyler is one of my good buddies from there we have a good time shooting the shit on the forum i'm glad i can get him on he's a a Lions sympathizer but you're actually a patriots fan right tyler i am a patriots fan and i'm looking for sympathy because we suck how'd you land on the patriots just because they're good uh, no, because I got into football in 1990, and I thought Scott Zolak was the coolest name I ever heard. <laughs> he was their quarterback at the time. So, hey, nothing wrong with that. Got to start your route somewhere. Yeah, it was a good time to hop on the bandwagon. Well, ten years early, but still. How about the Lions? How did you come to like them? I've always liked Lions since Barry Sanders. Yeah, that's most of us. Yeah, I yeah. understand that. It's a good secondary team. I'm glad that I have you to go to to battle with me against some of the Packers fans in that league. So I'm happy to have you on the show, but they're real quiet this week. That's for damn sure. Real (laughs) quiet. Now I don't want to bust too many balls because let's be honest, we're not going to get too many of these wins. So, I mean, I like to take a victory lap every now and then, but I don't like to be a sore winner either because when the lions do win the super bowl, I don't want anybody to be mad. I don't want anybody to be salty about it. Our time will come. Like the Cubs in 2016, I'll be that 90-year-old man who's just waiting for it to happen. And with my luck, I'll probably perish the year before they actually win it all. But one of these days, it's coming. Let's hop into it, guys. Um, Before we do, just wanted to mention the segments we'll be talking about today. We got the betting with the belly and our survivor picks. We'll also go into the bowels of the belly once more. We'll have another how bad do you want it. We'll see if I can make it over 500. And then a special one, we're going to pick two and the rest are coming to kill you. If you don't know what that means, you'll find out soon enough. Before we jump into the Lions-Packers game, let's talk about the big news from last week, the TJ Hawkinson trade. So last episode, we talked a little bit about the trade deadline and what it would look like if we traded Hawkinson, Swift, uh, Amani Awarie. We talked about a few guys, but Hawkinson did end up actually getting dealt to the Minnesota Vikings, our NFC North rival. We received a second and a third and sent two force back. Tyler, what do you think about the trade? I think we got what we could back for him. I mean, he's kind of tailed off these last couple of years with the Lions. So we weren't going to get a first or anything like that. He's kind of a guy that he can't be the main, you know, the main target. He needs, he needs help around him, you know, and I always kind of feel like him and Amari kind of took the same role with Goff. Yeah. Like as that safety blanket. Mm-hmm. And you've seen that in the game Amari missed. Hawk had his best game of the season. And then Amari's back and. I'm in Ryan, man. I'm Canadian. I say things different. (laughs) (laughs) Same difference. No, I hear you there. I thought Hawkinson was a bit redundant ever since Amon Ra St. Brown kind of came into his own late last year. I'm fairly happy with the compensation. I mean, looking into a little bit more, I was kind of put on the spot last week. But knowing that we've had enough time to negotiate these trades over the summer to just to kind of get an idea on how much money he's going to want when he is due for his next contract after next season. I'm okay with getting out from under his contract now and getting something back as opposed to just letting him walk in free agency. 
I mean, the Vikings have two options, sign him next year or let him walk. If they let him walk, the Lions easily win the trade. He's a one and a half year rental, essentially. <laughs> and if they do re-sign him, he's going to have to live up to a maybe $15 million a year contract. And the way I've seen him play, I just don't see it happening. I mean, he is a very good tight end, but he's not an elite guy like a Mark Andrews or a Travis Kelsey. Tyler, you said it yourself. He's got to have some pieces around him in order to have success. And he does, he is a good safety blanket. He does do some good things, but we'll see how this trade works out. I mean, the Vikings could end up winning this one, but I think that he has to play out of his mind and do something that he hasn't shown the Lions in his three and a half year tenure there in order to live up to that contract. He did have a really good first game. He was given the game ball after the Vikings win over the commanders. He was nine for nine, 70 yards, very first game. So so far, he's off to the right start. We'll see if he can keep it going. I love the player. I wish him the best. We'll see how it works. Irv Smith never put up those numbers. True. True that. And he's out for what? Eight weeks at least? Something like that? Eight, ten weeks, yeah. I think? Yeah, it couldn't have come at a better time for the Vikings. Um, we had touched on pretty much everything last week. When we had brought up TJ Hawkinson, I didn't think he would actually be dealt. I thought we were kind of blowing smoke. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, in a team in a rebuild, you're not going to be able to build a team around a tight end. That's just not the position to do it at. Uh, getting the second and the third, uh, 2023 is going to be a loaded class. So that uh, day two pick could be pretty good. Um, and we got pretty much the going rate because if you remember the Hayden Hurst trade from a couple of years ago from the Ravens to the Falcons, it was, I think, about the same. Wasn't it a, it second, a second and a third? I think so, it was just a second. But Regardless, though, we, got, we saved $13 million between this year and next year. Uh, I don't think it was a bad move. They weren't going to be competitive this year, but hey, apparently when you trade a player away, your team just wins games. Look at the Christian McCaffrey trade. Yeah, true that. And when we did, the Packers came to Detroit to take on our hometown Lions. Open it up. Lions three and a half point dogs closed at three and a half as well. And we squeaked one out 15 to nine against Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. We don't need TJ Hawkinson. He gone by Felicia. Lions win. We're two and six. What do you have to say about that, Bell? I mean, it was a painful game to watch, even though they did pull out the win. I don't think either side looked that great. Aaron Rodgers just looked like a flaming bag of dog shit. I know that'll be coming later, but uh, I mean, you just got to look at this game and say, thank God they won because it was ugly on all fronts. Yeah, every now and then the sun shines on a dog's ass. So we'll kick it off here talking about the offense. We'll start with Goff, the quarterback, the man behind center. And God, did he look bad? I mean, <laughs> he looked pretty good in the pocket, escaping pressure. He didn't have any sacks. There was one that got called back for roughing the passer, which I kind of thought was a soft call. But I thought he looked good. He showed a lot of poise in the pocket. He moved around a little bit better than what we're accustomed to seeing. But the main things that I had with Goff is I thought that he was just trying to do too much and kind of forcing it into receivers that were pretty well covered. And I get it. You don't have Josh Reynolds. You don't have DJ Chark. And TJ Hawkinson's gone too. So really all he had was Amon Ross St. Brown and Khalif Raymond. DeAndre Swift only played, you know, 10, I think 10 snaps, something like that. So that was really all he was working with. I mean, they just kind of took away Amon Ross St. Brown for the most part. He got, he did all right. There's not much he could do. And the other thing is too, just key downs. We weren't really able to come up with anything. We couldn't take advantage of any of Aaron Rodgers' interceptions. We weren't able to convert those into any points. I think we're like 50% on third down over two on fourth down, but, and a lot of that had to do with some of the penalties and we'll get into that a little bit too, but you know, overall, not Goff's best showing statistically, you know, or just by passing the eye test. I thought it was one of his worst games of the season so far. Yeah, so Jared Goff just not looking good. 14-26 uh, to 26 passing, 137 yards, two touchdowns and one interception. Like I said, uh, both offenses just didn't look all that great altogether. But, yeah, definitely wasn't Goff doing much for the Lions to uh, make this happen. He did have the two touchdown passes, but they were within, like, three yards. Shout out to Zilstra for his first tutty, but I don't know. Just just the whole game I was watching, I was just kind of bored. Yeah, and Tyler, you're the president of the Jared Goff fan club. What did you think about his performance against the Packers? Well, he beat Aaron Rodgers. True. <laughs> Turned the ball over once, didn't fumble. He threw that interception to Alexander, but I, I'm not sure if that was Raymond or St. Brown, but I think they were supposed to come back. 
they were off. The receiver and quarterback were off on the sit on what the play was supposed to be. But uh, also, it was a great play by Alexander. So he's one yeah. of the best corners in the league. So I mean, how are we going to fault golf for that? I did see a lot of drops. He got he got the ball out when he needed to, like without taking a sack in, in bad situations. But I mean, he didn't put up three hundred yards and four tutties and. No, not even close. <laughs> he's not. He just beat Aaron Rodgers. That's all he did. That's all yeah. he needed. You got a point. Like, That's so, all you yeah, got to hang your those head Those TD on. passes were short yardage passes. But if I recall, there were some pretty great throws. Mm-hmm. that got them to those, you know, second and third yards away, right? To, mm-hmm. right? Like, I believe the one was like threaded needle to Swift. Well, so. but he Swift almost had one. He, um, I think he was on like a, um, I can't remember what that route is. I know it from the Madden route, the Texas route, where you kind of go out and come back in the angle route. That's what it's called. He ended up on the one yard line, and then I think uh, that's when Zilstra got his touchdown. So I, I mean, I agree with you. I mean, beating Aaron Rodgers—that's all you really need to hang your hat on, right there. He could have thrown three red zone interceptions. And- yeah, he wasn't as bad as Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. That's our I don't key think takeaway. Rodgers are all red zone, but still. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, we'll take it. We'll end it there. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely wasn't as bad as Aaron Rodgers. That's Tyler summation right there. <laughs> yeah, We're cutting it down I mean, to brass tacks here. <laughs> yeah. The rest of the offense in general, I mean, it was not our best day by any means. And, you know, there's been other games this season that I've seen where I thought we should have won the game. And honestly, this game was not one of them. Like we walk away with the win. And that's a weird thing about the NFL. It's so polarizing because you can have a great game. And, you know, you walk away thinking, like, you should have won that one. But for this one, I just the way our offense performed, I mean, we should not have won that game. But we did. And, you know, that's how it happens. I'm not going to apologize for a win. I can't. There's nothing I can do about it. The Lions have two wins on this season. Get over it. (laughs) For our rushing attack, we didn't use Swift very much at all. I mean, Campbell said that he was going to be used sparingly. I just didn't think it was really going to be that sparingly. He had two carries and three catches. You know, he had 40 yards on those three catches. He did a good job and he was efficient when he did get the opportunity. But like I said, he only played 10 snaps. It was the Jamal Williams show again. He had 24 carries for 81 yards, no touchdowns or anything. So Swift can't get hit, right? His shoulders too banged up. I understand why they're, you know, limiting him, but you can see how electric he is when he does get the ball. And especially now that we don't have hockey, we need to have somebody else who can make plays. Amon Ross St. Brown is the only one right now. And Khalif Raymond, yeah, he's a good guy every now and then, but he can't be your number two. He's a good third or fourth or fifth option, but we need at least one more guy who can make some plays. So, you know, it really showed against the Packers. I mean, their defense is no joke. That's a solid defense right there. If we go against the Packers week 18 and we're only rolling out Amon Ross St. Brown, no Swift or Reynolds or anybody else to lighten the load a little bit, I mean, look out because I don't like our chances going to Lambeau. When's Jamal coming? What? Jameson Williams. When's he coming? I call him Jamal. (laughs) Jamal. I've been calling him Jamo. You might be right. I don't know. I mean, we got Jamo. We got uh, Amari. all the Canadian ways to say it. Yeah, I don't have too much faith in Jamison Williams coming back anytime soon. He can come off the pup at any time. And I mean, we could really use him. But at the same time, I don't want to rush him back. This is still a rebuilding year. We'll take a couple wins when we can get him. But ultimately, I think 2023 is when we want to see him come back in full form. So so the latest report says that he might come back week 12. But I agree. There is no point in uh, risking the guy you put all that draft capital in just to come out and get what, just a couple snaps and then probably tear his knee again. So I think you just leave him out, let him rehab properly, come back strong and ready to go next year. The one other guy that I wanted to highlight on this offense was James Mitchell, our fifth round pick out of Virginia tech. They call him the governor. He got 13 snaps and he made use of those. He's coming off the ACL injury, missed most of camp starting to get into the rotation the past few weeks, but He caught a touchdown. He had another clutch play on third down to move the sticks. I thought he looked really good, and he could potentially be the TJ Hawkinson, uh, the heir to that throne in the tight end room. Brock Wright and Shane Zilstra, 
I mean, they they do everything pretty well, but James Mitchell's a young rookie that we really want to kind of build into that into that role as tight end one. We'll see how he does. I kind of comped him to Logan Thomas. They both went to Virginia Tech, both former quarterbacks as well. I thought that he was one of the better tight ends coming into the class. The reason that he dropped to the fifth round is just because of the injury. So the one other unit I wanted to talk about on offense, and we normally don't talk about the offensive line too much, but this is two weeks in a row where we've just had some killer penalties that have killed drives. It's put us out of position when we really need to, you know, when we could have stepped on Green Bay's throat. I know Decker was a culprit on, on at least two or three penalties, and this is his second week in a row. He's the longest tenured veteran on this offensive line. You expect more out of him. Our offense was pretty damn boring this week, only 15 points. Let's move on to our defense. That was a little bit more exciting. And I really want to talk about, is Aaron Rodgers done? Is he dead? Did the Lions just kill him and end his career? What do you think, Bell? They're going to they're gonna play him. Um, I just don't know for how much longer. Uh, you can only put up so many bad performances in a row before the city wants your head, which I do always think it's hilarious that this is the guy they praise their whole lives and then one, one bad game and they're like, we love Jordan Love! And it's like, no, you don't. <laughs> Come on. So, um, I mean, he is getting up there in age. It seems like he's in the news for something or another every other week. Um He's taking a lot of heat for not retiring now, but I mean, at the end of the day, is it really Aaron Rodgers' fault? They're not looking that great, the Packers as a whole. Um, I thought that some of the t- uh, plays where they were in fourth down, they should have just taken points early, especially in a 0-0 game. And clearly in the long run, it probably would have changed the whole script because it was only a one-score game anyway. So mm-hmm. I don't think I do think Aaron Rodgers played like absolute shit, but I think just the Packers organization is just kind of confused on their identity and what to do. And didn't they come out of this game losing Dobbs and Aaron Jones? Yeah, Aaron Jones didn't look too serious. Dobbs, I think he has a high ankle sprain. I don't know how much time he's going to miss. But I disagree with you, though, about you saying, like, Aaron Rodgers still has some in the tank. And that I I get it that he doesn't have a whole lot of weapons. And with Jones and Dobbs go down and the receiving crew that he is working with this year, I get it. But – those interceptions were all on him. I mean, if you take away the one that he just threw off of Derek Barnes face mask, that was the tip. He still threw two interceptions that were just inexcusable that I've never seen Aaron Rodgers make. I mean, I watch him against the lions twice a year and then plenty of other times in prime time and all the other chances green Bay is in my face. He's un- he underthrew the other two picks that didn't get deflected. The one that he threw to David Bakhtiari, that was just easy for Aiden Hutchinson and Hutchinson almost got a second one too, on another play kind of on the, a similar screen pass. And then he underthrew the, the bomb that Kirby Joseph came away with too. So a lot of people are kind of up in arms about the play clock, how they saw it hit zero a bunch of times. But I think that Aaron Rodgers is just a master. He knew where the play clock was. And if you're watching on TV, you see it hit zero. It doesn't always match up with what's on the field, which is what the refs actually go off of but he had that thing snap pretty much every single time at zero. So, I mean, I'm not complaining about that. I just, you know, chalk that up to Aaron Rodgers being a veteran. He's still got that pocket presence. Hutchinson praised him for that. His ability to move around in the, in the pocket is something that nobody else in the league can really do. I, I mean, I get it that Rodgers doesn't have a lot of weapons, but at the same time, it was really great to just see him pissed off and angry. He's got to check into some anger management classes. I think that he is done, put a fork in him. He's moving on after this season. The Packers should too. I just Googled Jordan Love real quick. And one of the highlighted articles is Jordan Love has gotten more comfortable and decisive in 2022. When? (laughs) (laughs) Didn't he play like a couple snaps week one and that was it? What do you think about Aaron Rodgers, Tyler? I think it's tired and old. (laughs) He's got all these rookies, right? And he treats them like absolute garbage. Yeah, like they're gonna make mistakes, but when he throws a an interception that is clearly underthrown by him, and then he like rolls his eyes and looks yeah. pissed off, like come on, like that's not on the rookie receiver, that's on you. It's just it's old. That's all I gotta say. Yep, it was really entertaining to see that. I loved it honestly. My little boner just perked up <laughs> through my pants every time I saw him hooting and hollering. Oh my god, I love seeing it. If the Packers drop far enough in these standings as the year goes on, they're going to have a pretty decent draft pick. Do they stick with Jordan Love? 
Well, I don't know if they'll take a quarterback, but I know one thing they will not take a receiver if history has shown us anything. Yeah, the mock I'm looking at says he's taking Jordan Addison from USC, but that won't fucking happen. Yeah, we'll see. I'm sure the Packers will rally at some point. I mean, I need to see a full year of Aaron Rodgers sucking before I really start to discount him because, I mean, he's been in this position before, like the relax year, and then they bounce back. So we'll see how he does. We got to face the Packers again in week 18, and, you know, I hope we can uh, sweep him this year. We'll see. We're off to a good start. My guess is they take an offensive line. Not a bad call with all the injury concerns that they've had on that O-line. They're just banged up all across the board. Defense is looking good. Offense needs some work. Let's get into some of the position groups here, starting with the D-line. I thought we did a pretty good job defending the run. I mean, we shut down A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones did leave with an injury maybe through the third quarter, something like that. But, I mean, they really couldn't get anything going. Their running backs were shut down. And I said that was going to be the key to one of the keys to victory if we were going to stand a chance against the Packers. But, I mean, we did pressure Aaron Rodgers pretty well. But when you got somebody who can navigate the pocket like that, you got to bring him down and get some sacks. Derek Barnes did have one. But, again, like we, we don't have a four-man pass rush, and we've struggled with that all season long. Charles Harris is back. He was a limited, you know, Josh Pascal. He's more kind of that big D end, not really so much known for his pass rushing skills. Hutchinson's getting double teamed. We're not going to have it easy against Justin Fields next week. And we got to be able to contain Hutchinson, obviously a bright spot. Uh, he had his first interception as a rookie. It was great to see. I thought he could have had two on another screen pass. Like I said before, but I just saw today that he's first in this rookie class for sacks, pressures, and QB hits. So Trayvon Walker, Kayvon Thibodeau, you better bow down to your Lord, Aiden Hutchinson. A nice bright <laughs> spot on that D-line. The nice white knight. <laughs> we'll talk linebacker. Starting with Malcolm Rodriguez, kind of the uh, the biggest headline there. He left, I think, in the second quarter uh, due to some friendly fire. He took a helmet to the elbow trying to make a tackle and looked kind of like a hyperextension maybe. He did end up coming back, but I didn't really see him play much at all in the second half. When one goes down, it's next man up, and Derek Barnes stepped in and filled in absolutely perfectly. I had my doubts. I was really worried about Rodriguez leaving. Derek Barnes had the game of his life. He was great against the run. He had two Big goal line stops on the same series. He finished with a sack, a tackle for loss, a pass breakup off the helmet. The guy was all over the place, and that's something that you want to see from your second-year linebacker. He could be a potential good running mate with Malcolm Rodriguez coming in next year if we uh, decide to move on from Alex Anzalone. Yes. Uh, and now the bounce back group of the week. Yeah. Aubrey Pleasant. Maybe that was the right call. I said last week that I didn't think that he deserved to, you know, to get canned, but it all worked out. So maybe Dan Campbell knows what he's doing here. Cause Kirby Joseph was just a God out there. Two interceptions finished with 10 tackles and PFF says that he is the second highest graded safety in the entire NFL. I mean, he just stepped up. He was all over the place given Aaron Rodgers fits. And I said it last week, you know, he was stepping up and making some good tackles, forcing those fumbles, but I want to see him make plays on the ball and be a ball hawk. And he did exactly what I said. This is the best step that you can see from a guy that you didn't really expect to do anything. Just imagine him with Tracy Walker next year. Those two guys in the back of our secondary. Jerry Jacobs had a hell of a game as well. Coming off that ACL injury, Aaron Rodgers thought that he could test him, pick on him a little bit, and you saw him kind of having a little friendly banter going in at halftime, and Aaron Rodgers came out firing. I thought that, all things considered, Jerry Jacobs made some great plays, whether it was tackles or breaking up some passes. Just solid defense from this second-year player, undrafted free agent for the Lions. And he did have one pass interference call, but then he followed it up with a PBU a couple plays later on that series. So Jerry Jacobs, another bright spot. And then also Jeff Okuda. I thought he did nice. There were some plays where he was beat by Alan Lazard. Like there was that one touchdown that he lent in over Lazard, but he bounced back on the two point conversion, broke that up. He almost got that fumble on the final drive as well, ruled out of bounds, but Okuda's still stepping up. I mean, he's been pretty consistent for us. And, you know, this is really his second full year in the NFL. I like the strides I've seen him take. He just keeps producing week in, week out. And we need somebody like that, especially in our secondary that has struggled so far this season. So 
we'll move we'll move on from the defense and get into a little bit on the coaching staff. After the game, uh, Dan Campbell had a game ball and he gave it to Aaron Glenn. Now, do you guys think that this is him just trying to cover for his guy, or do you think it was actually warranted? What do you think, Tyler? Um, yeah, definitely color, covering for his guy. Although it was probably the best game that Glenn has called all season. So it was warranted to give him the game ball. I agree. Holding your uh, in-division rivals to that little amount of points, especially with Hall of Fame caliber quarterback Aaron Rodgers. So, sure, why not? Hand it to him. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with the move. I think that, again, it takes your personnel to step up. I don't think that Aaron Glenn has deserved the flack that he's received, but nonetheless, he's received it. So, I mean, if you give him the game ball and you get some of these fans off of his back, go for it. I mean, it's a game ball. It's symbolic. Whatever. I will not be giving my game ball to Aaron Glenn, which brings us to our next segment, our game ball and our burning bags of dog shit. We're picking our MVP and our absolute beta of the week. Tyler, let's start it off with you. Who's getting your game ball? Derek Barnes stepped in when Rodriguez went down. And like you said earlier, he was all over the field, made it some really nice stops. Uh, I believe he had four tackles, eight assists. He's just everywhere. He's what we kind of expected when we drafted him. You know, he's really come along for from what I've seen in that game. So, yeah, I thought he did a great job, and he needed a game like this because people were start to label him as a bust, and we can cast those worries aside at least for another week. How about you, Bell? Who's getting your game ball? Oh, it's got to be the Yahtzee man himself, Shane Zilstra. The guy had one target, one reception, one yard, one yard per catch, and one touchdown. Yahtzee baby. <laughs> Sorry to hear you went back down to the practice squad. <laughs> uh, well, I'm sure we'll bring him up for next week. We're a little, uh, we're not so deep in the tight end department anymore. So he'll be back. My game ball is going to go to Kirby Joseph. Like I said, the past three games, he has produced a turnover this week. He has had two, two interceptions, the past breakup. I mean, this guy is really coming into his own take stepping up when Tracy Walker went out and, you know, it came in the biggest game against the Packers when we really needed a win. He stepped up, he made plays and he is a big reason why the defense performed the way it did. So Kirby Joseph needs the respect. He's getting the game ball from me. Moving on to our burning bags of dog shit. Tyler, who's getting your bag this week? The same guy who gets it every week for me is Anzalone. (laughs) <laughs> I absolutely can't stand the guy. I cannot wait till they I see that he's been cut. <laughs> and uh I really you're talking about fields next week, and I really hope they don't think that Anzalone's gonna spy him because he might just break the record he just made. I mean, I watched Aaron Rodgers juke out Anzalone and leave him hanging in midfield. It was horrible. I mean, he'll never get hurt like Rodriguez did because he's never in the play. So <laughs> it'd be nice to see them give Derek Barnes and Rodriguez a chance together, cut Anzalone down a bit on his playtime, just to see how they do. I mean, I think that was the plan, but, you know, so far until this game, Derek Barnes really hadn't done anything. I mean, if you go back to the first game of the season against the Eagles and Derek Barnes really cost us the game. I can't remember the exact play, but I know that there was one play. I think it was um, one of their running backs just juked him out. Like he completely missed the tackle and that really put the game on ice for him. And there's been other times where he's been asked to step up and he just hasn't delivered. So, I mean, maybe they give him another shot in these next few weeks if Malcolm misses some time and we'll be able to get a little bit more of a sample size. But Anzalone, I mean, he's a high-floor guy. You know what you're getting with him. He's the veteran presence. You know, he's smart out there. Campbell's comfortable with him. Aaron Glenn's comfortable with him. But I know what you're saying. I mean, and he's not the guy for the long term. You know, he's just kind of a a Band-Aid until we can find someone young who could take over for him. So what about you, Bell? Who's getting your burning bag this week? Um, I kind of softly have two. Uh, Aaron Rodgers deserves to be bashed for his way he played. So we're going to light his shit on fire. But I think the real loser here is the 2023 pick bank for the Detroit Lions. <laughs> they went from the first overall pick to the fifth overall pick, which put us from uh, Bryce Young or CJ Stroud to Will Levis. And I just really hope they don't pick Will Levis with that pick. Granted, it's probably going to move six more times. The Lions will probably do something stupid like win six games. Who knows? 
But those are my two losers with the bag of shit on their porch. You know, like mayo in your coffee or something? I would love some mayonnaise in my coffee. That's how Will Levis drinks his every day. No way. Absolutely. Look it up. Will Levis mayo coffee. It's a fact. You'll see. My burning bag of dog shit is going to Taylor Decker. He's the veteran presence on that offensive line, along with Frank Rag now. But, I mean, I've just seen him make some boneheaded <laughs> mistakes. And you just see the mayo and coffee. Kentucky quarterback Will Levis puts mayonnaise in his coffee. Should be locked up without parole. <laughs> <laughs> But back to Taylor Decker. I mean, I've just seen him make so many stupid mistakes with penalties. You see him get beat sometimes on the pass rush. I mean, he is pr- still pretty steady in pass protection, but run blocking, it's never been his strong suit. A lot of people have been saying that we should trade Taylor Decker. I don't think that. I think he's one of the better offensive tackles in the league. But, I mean, it at least makes you wonder, like, when are we going to give Penny Sewell his chance at the left tackle spot? Because... I mean, the way that Taylor Decker has played the last couple of games, I mean, he hasn't helped us out too much. I think that he's hurt a little bit more than he's helped the past two games. I still think that he's a great tackle. I don't want to lose him, but you expect more out of your veteran on that line. That's going to do it for our recap of the Packers-Lions game. Soaring high on a win and looking for another one next week as we go to Chicago to take on our NFC North rivals, the Chicago Bears, Sunday, November 13th at 1 p.m., the Bears are three and six with wins against the Texans, the Patriots, and the 49ers. The Lions are opening as three-point underdogs over under set at 48 and a half points. Last week, the Dolphins beat the Bears 35 to 32. It was a close one. Nonetheless, it goes as an L in the win-loss column. Last year, the Bears swept us. We were an 0-2. Not a good way to start off Dan Campbell's tenure as the Lions head coach, but he's looking to bounce back and get one on him. So jumping right into this preview here, talked about Justin Fields a little bit. He did have a great game, you know, not so good through the air, but running. Holy shit. 178 rush yards. That broke Michael Vick's record for rushing yards by a quarterback. But he does only have one game this entire season passing over 200 yards. The Bears did go out and get him another weapon. Chase Claypool was traded by the Steelers for a second round pick, but then the Bears defense lost Roquan Smith. He was traded to the Ravens for another second round pick and another some other pick, something like that. So they downgraded on defense, but got a big upgrade in that receiving core. What do you guys think about this game? So my major concern is just what Jalen Hurts did to the Lions at the beginning of the season. Um, Fields looks to be getting better and better. Uh, I don't know what was going on with the Bears at the trade deadline, getting rid of some of their defense and then getting Chase Claypool I guess that's more of an offensively focused move for field. So he gets some more talent to throw to Um, this game's kind of a toss up, but I just, I don't know if we're going to be able to contain Justin Fields. They won't contain Justin Fields at all. After what he just did. Like I said it before, they're they're probably going to put Anzalone on him. It's going to be horrible. (laughs) Um, You're supposed to be on my side and be optimistic. I got to give the shout out to the uh, Bears for having two uh, Canadian wide receivers, though. So they went out and did that. They got Claypool and Harry, both both born in Canada. So, hey, but, uh, we're a Canadian podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Th- I think that Fields is definitely a concern, but I mean, the key to beating the Bears is first off containing Justin Fields, and I think having Josh Pascal is going to help that because he has looked really good setting the edge. He never got to Aaron Rodgers, but he definitely forced some throwaways. If we can make Justin Fields try and beat us through the air, I think that's how we ultimately shut them down. Just focus on their running game. If we can shut down Montgomery Herbert and Justin Fields, I just don't see how they can get any offense going. And the only other way they can put points on the board is through their defense. So if we start, if we get a lead early, we run the ball, play conservative, you know, don't be stupid and fumble the ball or throw like needless interceptions. I think that we can pull this one out, having DeAndre Swift back and kind of easing him back in a little bit more, maybe give him like 15 touches or so. We need that change of pace back, especially if we want to put up points on the bears and take that lead early. We're going to need some playmakers to step up and give that offense a little bit of the dynamic that we had for most of the season. But if we let Fields just run wild on us and we're not able to at least contain him, you know, keep him outside of the, inside the tackle boxes, then it's going to be a long day for us. And 
I don't know, Justin Fields, he's been trending upwards the past three games, but people were calling him a bust for the first five weeks of the season, and he's definitely turned it around a little bit. I feel like the Bears have started to script him some more running plays, so that has helped loosen things up a little bit for him, but you got to contain him. You got to stop him on the ground, make him beat us through the air. That's the only way that we're going to win this game, especially when we're going into Chicago, some unfriendly territory. Let's do some uh, score predictions here. Ben, what do you think the score of this game is going to be? Um, I don't think it'll be a blowout by any means. Um, maybe the Lions can get the offense a little bit more on track. Uh, I got the Bears 27, Lions 20. Peter. All right, Tyler, what do you think about the score? I'm going to go the Lions 31 to 24. Didn't you just oh. say that the Lions wouldn't be able to stop them? <laughs> I also didn't say that the Bears would be able to stop the Lions. Oh, True. touche. <laughs> Back off, <Yeah>. belly. <laughs> Let the man make his predictions. And for me, I've got the Lions winning this one, going on a two-game win streak, just like my midseason schedule predictions. We are going to win 24-20 to 20 in Chicago, bringing us to 2-1 and one in the NFC North, knocking on the Vikings' door. That would put us ahead of the Packers after they lose next week, too. Damn straight. All right, enough about the Bears. We'll look into them a little bit more next week. I like our chances. We'll see how we do. Let's get into the betting with the belly. Ooh, another fun segment. I found myself pretty hot on Sunday. Had a big Geno Smith bet going on a over yardage and over touchdown passes. Rolled it in with winning on the Bucks, and then the Titans covering the 14 points. So I'm feeling hot with my picks. Um, mm-hmm. First off, though, let's go over uh, last week's picks during the cast, which always differ from my Sunday shoot from the hip. Um, last week, Corbin went another stunning three and one. He's had the hot hand all year and he's keeping it going. I myself went three and one. And then Sean just trailed us slightly behind going two one and one. Um, but rolling right into this week, we're going to hit it off with Corbin's favorite of the week. My favorite this week is going to be the Kansas City Chiefs. A home game at Arrowhead taking on the lackluster Jacksonville Jaguars. Chiefs are nine and a half point favorites. I think that offense just can't be stopped. It could easily be a, you know, a 20, 30 point blowout. I wouldn't be surprised. I don't see the Jaguars doing anything against the Chiefs. Yeah, the uh, the Chiefs seem to struggle against the Titans for some reason, but the Titans always play them tough. So I see them coming out hot this next week. I think that's a good pick. Tyler, what about you for your favorite? I got the 49ers versus Chargers. Any reasons why? <laughs> I just think the Char- or the 49ers are on a tear right now, and the pickup of uh, McCaffrey was huge. Oh, yeah. McCaffrey pickup was huge, and all the Chargers receivers are still real banged up. <laughs> and for my favorite, we're going to go with the uh, the freshly divorced 1-0 Tom Brady. Um, he's minus 2.5 against the Seahawks. He's looking to go 2-0. Um, as a divorced man. So I think Gino's going to meet his match in this game and Tom Brady's going to start rolling because that last drive was impressive last night. How about your dog, Corbin? You got any barks coming in here this week? Mm-hmm. Big bark. It's actually going to be a purr or a roar, if you will, because I've got the Lions as my underdog. They are three-point underdogs going into Chicago. All the reasons I just said, the Lions are the hottest team in the NFL right now. On a one-game winning streak, about to make it two. We're going to lock down fields. We're going to lock down that rushing attack, and he is not going to beat us through the air. Give me the hometown Lions. Tyler, how about you? You got any uh, Dobermans in your backyard? <laughs> I picked the uh, Seahawks over the box at 2.5. I don't think the box are running on all cylinders. I mean, there was a nice drive at the end, but uh, they still got a lot of issues happening there, and the Seahawks, uh, you know, surprise team of the year, so... I'll take the tiebreaker. I think the Seahawks are going over the Bucks. I don't know how you can bet against the Buck or against the Seahawks right now, Bell. I don't know how you I can mean, bet against the GOAT. Because he has not covered in the past, what, six games, and now he finally wins one? And it was a push. <laughs> oh, whatever. That's why I took Still. a money line. And for me, I have the Cardinals plus three against the Rams. Tom Brady might have looked a little rougher on the edges, but holy hell. The reigning champion Rams have not looked like themselves. They look like a shell of their former championship team. So I'm going to go with the cards. Kyler Murray's been slinging it to DeAndre Hopkins, and I'm going to take those guys with the three points in an interdivision matchup. 
Corbin, who are you feeling that's going to go real high this weekend? Mm, I'm feeling the Cleveland Browns and the Miami Dolphins. Line is set at 48 and a half. Obviously, the Dolphins can put up points. The Browns have been known to do so as well, and the Browns' defense is absolutely terrible. I can see both teams just ex- exchanging blows throughout this game. I think that 48-and-a-half line does not do it justice. I think we're going to clear that big time. And, Tyler, you're up there in the north, so which score do you think is going to go up? <laughs> I got the Chiefs versus Jags. It's at 49.5 right now, but uh, I think the Chiefs will put up 40 alone. 40 or more. So Kidder's Tony's going to be more involved and, and Juju's been more involved these past couple of weeks. I believe he's been a number six wide receiver over the last like four or five weeks, whatever uh, in fantasy anyway. Yeah. I was hoping to see some more Kadarius Tony um, last night in the game against the Titans, but he is, he was freshly traded. So probably on a little bit of a snap count, but I too have that for the over. Um, I think that Mahomes is going to absolutely go off after the uh, Titans stifled him a little bit. Yeah, definitely feeling the Chiefs. Who you got for Limbo Barlow, Corb? I'm fading you both. I'm taking the Jags Chiefs under. Well, I had it at 50 points. I guess you guys had 50 and a half. I and have 50 and a half written, but whatever. So I'll go right in between and say under 50. I do think that the Chiefs are going to put up points, but I don't think the Jags are really going to be able to do anything. I mean, the way I see it, I think that this could be like a 35 to 10 game. That seems a little more realistic to me. I mean, both teams have solid defenses. I guess if you were going to say the Jags had any solid, you know, it would be their defense. But it's just a lot of points. And I don't think the Jags are going to be able to match the Chiefs. And once they get up by a certain amount, they might take their foot off the gas. So I'm taking the under on that one. I got the Saints Steelers. Two offenses that just can't do it. Uh, the line's 41.5. I'm predicting a score of like 14 to 10, 17, 14, maybe something like that. Andy Dalton's useless, so that's all I got to say. <laughs> <laughs> we got a red rifle down getting battered. Um, for myself, I'm going with the Titans and the Broncos under 39 and a half. Uh, the Titans game plan is clear and concise right now. It's just run the rock with Derrick Henry, eating up a lot of clock. And, man, just Russ Willie just hasn't looked like the Russ Willie of old. Uh, it seems to be a trend in the league right now that we have that old era of great quarterbacks that just seem to be tailing off. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't anticipate a lot of scoring in that game. Hopefully the Titans can pull out just like a nice, clean 17-10 to 10 win. That is going to wrap it up for betting with the bell. We're going to move on to the Survivor League update. As you know, it ended a few weeks ago, but we're still making picks in case your pool's still alive. Last week, Corbin went 2-0 and with a safe pick of the Bengals over the Panthers, absolutely trounced them, and the Seahawks over the Cardinals, and Geno got it done. I was one for one. I had the Eagles over the Texans as the safe, which covered, and the Falcons over the Charger, which did not. And then in a shocking turn of events, Sean picked the Monday night game, so he had the safe pick of the Bengals over the Panthers. That's one, and it is to be determined on the St. Risky pick over the Ravens. But the score is currently 7-0 to zero with the Ravens at the 24. So Tuck's probably coming up to make it a 10-0 game. Um, moving into this week, which one's making you feel all safe and cozy at night like a little blanky Corb? I can go to sleep safely knowing that the Raiders are going to beat the Colts. I think the Raiders are 6.5-point favorites. I thought that line was a little bit fishy until I saw that Frank Reich was fired from the Colts and Jeff Saturday is taking over as interim head coach. The Colts currently do not have anybody on staff who's familiar with calling plays in an NFL game. So, I mean, if you're going to pick the Raiders, this is the game to do it. The Colts haven't looked good. Jonathan Taylor might be out and Sam Ellinger hasn't looked very good either. So give me the Raiders. I heard a uh, story that Jeff Saturday's only coaching experience was in a high school league and he was three and seven. I don't know how true it is. I didn't research it, but that's the best they could do. <laughs> they got to do something to get the boys going. I guess that's Jim, Jim uh, Caldwell the best probably have. in a recliner somewhere. Hit that guy up. I don't even yeah, know where he sure. is anymore. Tyler, what are we feeling for the safe one? Uh, safe is Chiefs over the Jags. If somehow you sell the Chiefs in your survivor pick, like, that's pretty safe. <laughs> safe bet there. That was yeah. uh, my pick as well. I think uh, Mahomes is going to keep it rolling. And with the uh, the Bills losing, the Chiefs might be the favorites in the AFC. So keep racking up those wins. And for the Risky Biscuit. 
my risky pick is going to be Belly's Tennessee Titans over the Denver Broncos. It's a home game. I think you took this for what? Your underdog or your under, Ben? Well, under pick. Yeah, 39. Under pick. Okay. Well, like you said, Russell Wilson sucks. I think the Titans have been rolling. Malik Willis has get, been getting some playing time. I don't know what the status of Tannehill is, but it doesn't matter. Derrick Henry is just going to run right through the Broncos. They won't be able to keep up. I mean, the line's pretty small, but I still think that the Titans are going to duke this one out and take the win. Isn't Malik Willis the guy you wanted the Lions to take, like, second overall? I said he would be in consideration, but we'll move on. Don't bring <laughs> up old stuff, Tyler. <laughs> Sorry. All right. For my rescue pick, I got uh, – I just think it would be too much of a risk to put the Bucks out over the Seahawks. You know, it's not a guaranteed game, and – I already picked the Seahawks to beat them, so. <laughs> so you're hedging your bet? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love it. I love it. He's just trying to snag some wins out there. <laughs> um, I, after bashing this man the entire episode, my risky pick is going to be the Packers over the Cowboys. I absolutely think this is Aaron Rodgers' last stand, his last chance to hold this team together before they get Jordan Love in there to start getting some reps. It's just, I don't know, I had to throw a risky one in there, and that one felt real wild. Um, that's going to wrap it up for Survivor Picks. Um, we're going to go right into our segments. Corbin, take her away. So to kick it off, we've got pick two. The rest are coming to kill you. I don't know if you guys have seen this little, I don't know, I wouldn't call it a meme, but it's more of like a an internet challenge. And you basically have to pick two groups of animals and the rest are coming to kill you. So you can either choose 50 golden Eagles, 10 alligators, three grizzly bears, seven bulls, one sniper, 15 wolves, 10,000 rats, five gorillas or four lions. And there's just so many combinations that you can choose from. And I've had this debate a couple of times and I honestly feel like this segment can go on for hours. So I might have to cut us off here. But I know you guys didn't have a whole lot of time to look at this, but who do you think that you would take in a fight to take on the rest of these beastly animals? So do I like, is it like almost like a video game where I control them or we just kind of like drop them into an arena and then they fight? No, you're there too. So imagine it's you and whatever two groups that you pick, it's on like a, a flat meadow, we'll say. You're just in a meadow, it's wide open, and everyone else is coming from, we'll say, like, 300 yards out. Hmm. Well, I mean, I have a strategy in mind. Um, it's just, I mean, the guy with the gun is definitely probably one of the best picks, as long as you can get a nice line of defense in front of him. And I'm just debating, debating what that line should be, because you could either have the 50, what are those, eagles or hawks? Mm-hmm. You could just have those bad boys running distraction and you got at least three per every animal in the other one wolves being the most. And if they're just distracting you the whole time, you just get Johnny shotgun over there, just pumping pelts into people and taking them down. Um, I don't know, but I kind of like the line of gorillas in front of me, just throwing haymakers at uh, all the wolves and chucking them around. Um, I don't know. I, I'm going to go with the, uh, the guy with the gun and the distraction eagles. <laughs> what about you, Tyler? What do you think? Uh, being up the north here, I'm going to go with the uh, 15 wolves. <laughs> they're just average wolves. No, they're not. They're <laughs> wolves. They will tear anyone to pieces. They they gang up on every single one of these opponents, and they just destroy them. I feel like a Canadian wolf would be like a vegetarian. <laughs> what? No way. Because they don't want to eat you. <laughs> well, you get another pick. Who are you putting with the wolf? Yeah, who's your uh, Who's your team up? Uh, I'm going to go with the uh, the big boys, the gorillas there. Just because they're probably the strongest of the group. And there's yeah. five of them. Five, five of the gorillas. Of five of them? Like, they're, they're just going to bash you into the ground. Like, Yeah. Rip you apart. The whole thing for me is though the guy with the gun, he's, he can kill everybody in one shot. Yep. You can't kill 15 wolves in one shot. You can if there's three eagles. Just you get unlimited them. bullets. You get unlimited bullets with a with a sniper. Yeah, so 
Are we talking an automatic or what are we talking here? Like, you, yeah, how, semi-auto. How semi-auto. Like, what are we talking here? Like, come on. Semi-auto <laughs> sniper. Unlimited ammo. Hmm. And if it's all about the team, I'll just run out there dressed as like a lady gorilla and let them all hit on me <laughs> while my buddy's just popping shots into your torso and skull. Yeah, they just mount you and start fucking you while you're That's okay. Takes out That's the okay, rest. as long as we get the dub. <laughs> so for me, I've thought about this a bunch of different ways, and I think I would settle on the sniper and the grizzly bears because... When I feel like when I was a kid, I would watch like those simulations like animal versus animal and they would do like who would win like a Japanese samurai or like a Mongolian warrior, those kinds of things. I feel like the bear always beat the gorilla and it beat the lions. So if those are the three big animals, the gorillas, lions and bears, the bears are what you want on your side because the gorillas don't really have like that many killing tools like they're strong as fucking athletic, but their bite is really all they have. The lions have some claws and, you know, they have great bite too, but the bears are just so powerful that they could just fucking snap those things. The wolves, those aren't even the most powerful bears. Grizzlies? <laughs> yeah. What are? Polar bears are. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They are. Well, like, what kind of animal can you play dead and they just sniff you and walk away? No, They're these dumb. bears are coming from blood. They're all coming at you, and I'm their little cub, and they're going to protect me. Oh, Those boy. bears are going to fuck shit up. But I have a couple I've, other I've scenarios. I've across a lot of bears, and uh, well, they you just look at them, and they turn and walk away. So, Well, these ones are going to protect me. These other ones are aggressive. I'm their little <laughs> cub, and they're going to take good care of me. The wolves, I mean, I could take on a wolf by myself. No problem. That's an argument <laughs> for another time. Oh, the boy. Crocs, I mean, you can escape the Crocs, no problem. But the sniper, I think I think you have to have him no matter what because he's the only thing that can really take down those big animals. Now, here's another scenario for you. What about 50 golden eagles and the 10,000 rats? <laughs> that's gonna numbers. Be, that's going to be a cumbersome fight. Those hawks just go for the eyes. They take out all the big animals, and then you just have a wall of rats protecting you. Um, sorry, but the eagles are too busy eating the rats. No, the eagles are on the team. team. They're not working together. They're not working. They are in this scenario. (laughs) It's a weird scenario. Well, you're saying they're not working together, but your wolves and your bears are just playing kumbaya. (laughs) (laughs) I, I I had gorillas. Oh, well, same thing. <laughs> Here's Go another ahead, one for you. What about the uh, sniper and the seven bulls? And then you just have the seven bulls just run a circle around you, just an impenetrable wall of horns constantly circling you, and then your sniper can just pick everything off. Um, How much does a bull weigh? A fuck ton. Those things just trample all, any rat that tries to get at you, and you can stomp out any that squeak through. Holy, holy shit, dude. A bull weighs between 1,100 and 2,200 pounds. Yeah, dude. They're a ton. They're the though. biggest. They're the biggest in the on the crew because the bears were like 700. The gorilla was like seven or 375. I, I don't I don't mind the uh, the circle. Are you on one of the bulls while your buddy's shooting? No, no. I, I'm standing back there just ducking behind the sniper. He's a, I guess like he's up on a stand and he's just shooting out all the alligators, all the grizzlies. I, I would want him to take out like the the bears, the lions, and the gorillas first, and then you just have a stampede of bulls just constantly circling you, and nothing will be able to get through. I'm just picturing you with like a like just a nice big uh, Civil War type sword on top of these bulls, and just like doing like a yeah, just as you're going them. around in circles, <laughs> just lopping head off. I don't know. That one could work. I would never take the Crocs. That would probably be my last pick. And then probably the rats, because I feel like I could stomp those rats up. If I just keep jumping, eventually I'm going to crush all 10,000 of them just in my feet. And I'll be standing a pile of crushed bloody rats. So are we like in a forest here? I thought you were in a meadow. It's in a meadow. Yeah. Just wide open meadow. Often in a tree, there's just one tree like he's up and the, the sniper's up there. Nah, the sniper. We'll we'll put the sniper up on a stand so he can shoot over the bulls. I'm <laughs> sorry, he's in he's in a stand. Oh, so you get a third teammate, the stand, the man-made structure. <laughs> I, okay, no, we won't get him the a stand. Way, I'll get down on all fours, and he can down. stand on top of my back, and then he can snipe everybody. How about that? I don't know. I probably this is my scenario. Up. I make it up as I go. 
Now I'm thinking about it, though. Like, I feel like a gorilla could just jump right over a bull, no problem. I'm thinking and then he'll catch a horn over the bull, and he can just break that stand into two and knock that sniper right down. Also, since we're just making stuff up, my gorilla is almost human, and it actually has its own gun that he knows how to use. So, good luck with that. <laughs> Well, I'll just have the sniper take him out first, and then I'll take the lions, and then the bears, and then I will go for the wolves, and then I will go for the crocs, and then the eagles and the rats. I mean, we'll figure that shit out. I got five gorillas trained with semi-automatics. <laughs> yeah, I guess I would take the five gorillas with a semi-automatics too. <laughs> Corbin, Corbin, did you read the article that you sent us, though? No, not the whole thing. All, I want to make it clear to anyone who takes the hunter has no idea what they're doing. <laughs> that, Why? That looks like a shotgun, so it'll take time to reload. And when there's a pack of animals coming to kill you, you don't have that kind of time. Also, yeah, but do we know I, that this mystery person has a good shot? What if it's their first time shooting a gun? Are they used to recoil? I'm imagining <laughs> this person trying to shoot down 50 eagles, and the results don't seem pretty. They maybe fire off one or two shots before a gang of eagles is poking their eyes out and shitting on them. <laughs> well, I mean, to be honest, I don't think that we would stand a chance if the others are coming to kill you. But I think the so the scenario I saw at first when this came out was a sniper. It wasn't like that picture with a guy with like a hunting ah. rifle. So in this one, I guess they say it's a it's a shotgun, but no, I'm saying it's a sniper rifle and he's got long range and they're coming from 300 yards out. So he's got time to pick off those big beasts. I mean, you got what, three plus four, so seven, so 12 big animals. And then you got the 15 wolves, 10 crocs, seven bulls. I think you're right, but though. An argument can be made for any pairing. And if you get to pick which pairing goes against them or finds their weaknesses, I don't think there is a winning answer. No. <laughs> Said also, Wolves took out Liam Neeson. Oh, remember? yeah, in the gray when he tried to take him on with broken shot glass bottles. <laughs> you ever All seen right. that movie, Corbin? Yeah, I've seen it. Right at the very end, he gets fucked up. He just duct tapes him to his fist like he's going to go down like Mike Tyson. <laughs> All right, like I said, we could go on with this one for a good hour, arguing back and forth. I mean, we really just started to get into it, but we'll post this to our belly in the fish Instagram and Twitter. So if you guys want to take a look and decide for yourself, have at it. All right, belly, let's get in your guts and go down into the bowels of the belly this week. What you got, buddy? You know, it was a pretty uneventful week. So this one might not slap as ones in the past, but um, I found myself spending a lot of time uh, in the house this weekend, watching some sports, doing the thing um, was the uh, three o'clock kickoff came around for the uh, college football uh, my girlfriend, uh, she was asking me what we were going to do today, and I was just kind of joking, and I said, let's play Roomba Golf. And she said, what's Roomba Golf? And so I just made up this game on the spot, and uh, you just take five solo cups, put them around your basement, and my Roomba's got a little D-pad on it, and so you can control it like it's a video game, only he doesn't respond to your commands very well, and the sensor gets a little messed up. So um, we ended up playing for five straight hours between me and a couple <laughs> of people, um, we ended up getting to the point where, uh, we set up like stools and stuff as obstacles and there was like a whole course. Um, we also came up with different variations of Roomba golf. There's Roomba golf extreme where you get a ping pong ball and you have to guide a ping pong ball with the Roomba into the cup. We didn't play that one too many times. It was pretty hard. Um, <laughs> and then we found out that not all Roombas have the D pad. So if you're going to get into Roomba golf, make sure you research your specifications on your product before you get down to it. Um, we also thought about having almost like a battle bots fight. Do you remember battle bots? <laughs> yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. They Only this is Roomba's touching cups. And you know, with all the stuff that's on ESPN eight, the Ocho, I, uh, I don't see this too far off the map. Um, Anthony, my roommate was talking about, uh, customizing his Roomba to make it faster, looking up the <laughs> fastest Roomba on the market. Yeah. Just really searching out his competition. Uh, he ended up being the winner. Uh, he had six wins on the night. I had four and Kendall threw in a goose egg. <laughs> <laughs> I could have guessed that. Yeah, I got a fucking Bissell that I got at like a as like a prize at one of my uh holiday parties for my company last year. That doesn't have a D-pad, so I guess I can't participate. But how do you how do you play exactly? Like what was the point initially? You just try and knock over a cup or what? Yeah, no, you just got to touch it. Uh if you end up knocking down a cup, it's uh takes a second off your time. So, it was all time trial based. What you do is you count it off yourself. You say 3 2 1 go. Once you hit the button, it makes the doo doo doo. And then the uh, other person starts the stopwatch. 
And then from then on, it's just a lot of people screaming at a machine <laughs> to go faster when it is probably inching along at about like maybe a foot every two seconds. <laughs> so why is it Roomba golf though? What's up? I don't know. You know, I uh, had a couple cocktails in me when we came up with this game on the spot and uh, <laughs> we, we didn't, uh, we didn't come up with a better name. So um, it's really just a uh, Roomba cuppy touch. <laughs> Uh, that's sick. I want to get in on the action. I don't really have hey, the best space for Roomba golf, but I guess you got a good arena down in Nashville. I'm going to bring my Bissell and see if I can find some way to manipulate that thing. Pop on that one-way Allegiant flight and just only bring the Roomba, no other bag, or try to say yeah. that it's like your uh, your carry-on item. Yeah, it's like, my personal item. I just show up with a Bissell under my arm. All right, Ben, let's go. <laughs> the neighbors would be like, oh, shit, that guy means business. I've seen so many Roombas going out of that house this, this week. <laughs> the fuck is he going on over there <laughs> gotta be a clean ass house <laughs> well that was the funny part uh the end of the night got away from us all and we woke up and the floor was somehow just covered in stuff so we had to naturally run the Roomba again in the morning someone asked me to play and i said no way <laughs> i'm all Roomba golfed out sorry yeah. next week i'm hanging it up for at least two weeks <laughs> started to get carpal tunnel in the thumb it was over all right belly what you got for me corbin how bad do you want it? This one this week is not quite disgusting or morbid in any way. I just think it'd be flat out terrible. Um, for one calendar year, you have to sleep outside in a tent in Michigan with no space heater or anything. So basically every night you have to remain outside from 10 to 6 a.m. for 365 straight days. I could have unlimited blankets. Yes. Oh, yeah, dude. I'm in. I don't think so. Think about How when it I gets... Not? I mean, what what are you going to do? You're going to be so bored. You're not going to be able to sleep. It's going to be freezing cold. Dude, if I get like 20 blankets, I'll be fine. How have big you ever a heard of layers? Yeah. I have a, a marmot tent. It's nice. It's comfortable. I'll get an air mattress and I'll have a bunch of blankets. I think it would be worse in the summertime because it would get so hot. Well, it's a whole year. Could I have a fan? No, no electronics. Fuck. Okay. Well, I could use an air mattress, right? Yes, but you have to blow it up with your mouth. Fine, I'll just get a regular mattress and fit it in there. It's going to be <laughs> long term. You're tweaking everything. All right. Well, you have to yeah. go out. Fuck it. Give it yourself the win. <laughs> <laughs> well, I read something like, uh, well, when I was a kid, I feel like I heard like if you ever don't have blankets, you're supposed to take off all your clothes and put it on top of yourself because the layers keep you more warm. So you're just warming your heart and letting those little uh, little baby toes get frostbitten? It's more that the layers keep you more warm than if you just had like regular pants on. So like if I had like a pants and shirt, I would take it off and just lay the shirt over me. And then I would just take my pants off and lay that over me. So you'd be warmer if you took like if you had a T-shirt and sweatshirt on. If you take the T-shirt and sweatshirt off and just laid it over you, it would be you'd be more warm than if you actually just wore the clothes. Let's hear the uh, let's hear the guy who experiences cold more than often. What does he got to say about it? I don't I don't believe anything Corbin's saying. <laughs> <clears throat> Either way, you're freezing your ass off. So for a lion um, Super Bowl, I'll make the sacrifice. Yeah, but think about uh, it, Corbin. Emma's not going to sleep outside with you when you go to a party. You'll be like, all right, guys, here's a nice mattress, but I'm just going to go shack up outside in the frigid like rain and the snow. Oh, that sounds just awful to me. What if I just lived in warmer or cooler climates, depending on the time of year? Because I said it had to be in Michigan the whole year. So I just can't leave. No. So you every night you got to if you go travel, you got to fly back to Michigan that night. That's what that's what gets us up here is the wind. So how windy is it in Michigan? Like, I don't know. It can get pretty windy. I mean, we have some cold winters too. I mean, up in the UP, I mean, that's more north than some parts of Canada. Probably not as bad as Saskatchewan, but I mean, up what in like one percent of it? <laughs> well, no, the whole UP, Marquette, Houghton. I mean, it gets freezing cold. Like, I mean, you'll get down to zero, and they get like twenty feet of snow any given year at least. We're talking Celsius here and like we can, it can be minus 30 out, but it can be minus 45 with the wind chill. Yeah. I mean, I've had some bad winters. I mean, I'm sure you've had it worse up in Saskatchewan, Tyler, but it gets pretty bad in Michigan, especially in some areas. I mean, I'm more in like Southern Michigan, like what on the lower peninsula. So 
it's not too bad. It's definitely going to be cold, but it's the heat that would be the worst part for me because I can't sleep if it's too hot. If it's cold, just give me blankets. No problem at all. But if I'm in a hot muggy tent all summer, if there's a bunch of bugs and shit, that's what would drive me crazy. But overall, I can make that sacrifice for a Lions Super Bowl. I think I'm you're making it like five. I think you're making it like three months before you get too stir crazy, man. I would go through with it. I just have to sleep there from 10 to six. That's eight hours of my day. Yeah, I think it'd be awful. Yeah, it wouldn't be fun, but it's a price you have to pay for greatness. And if the Lions get to win a Super Bowl, I'm willing to make it. Go ahead, give yourself a W, you liar. All right, I did, no. <laughs> you give me the opportunity, I will do that starting tomorrow. If you guaranteed a Super Bowl. I can't wait to write a letter to Goodell. <laughs> <laughs> Got a kid when, willing to camp out in a tent for a whole entire year with no electricity if you just somehow figure it out to make the Lions win. I know you've done it before, Goodell. Do your thing. Well, thanks for listening, guys. That's going to do it for this episode. If you're a new listener, please follow, subscribe, like, and download on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and any other platform you might listen to us on. Please give us a review and leave us five stars. Give me a follow on Twitter. That's like Corbiashi. We also have the Belly and the Fish Instagram and Twitter live. So give us a follow on there as well. Feel free to DM me, text me any ideas for segments or anything that you'd like to hear on the podcast. And please continue to spread the word to your friends, family, coworkers, and anyone and everyone that you can tell. We really appreciate the love and support, guys. Yeah, I want to give a big shout out to our neighbor from the North, Tyler, for coming on today. Appreciate the commentary and your knowledge of all things cold and grizzly and wolf. So uh, I want to say a big thanks to you. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Corbin gave you the plugs on our social medias. And, uh, yeah, can't wait to bring you more content week after week. Oh, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. Yeah, good to have you, Tyler. And with that said... (laughs) 